What's up, you drunk idiots? We're back here for another episode of Drunk Idiot Reviews. Uh, hope you liked last week's mega-sized episode. Not something we'll do very often, but something that uh, I wanted to make sure happened so that we could talk about a franchise that was very close to my heart, God's Not Dead. Uh, although, you know, I, I appreciate the feedback that everyone gives me. It helps make this podcast better. I would just ask that it not be so mean or personal next time. Uh, there was no need to bring in that thing about my parents. Uh, they're lovely people. And you know what? It doesn't matter how they like to live their lives. It doesn't matter what clothes they like to wear. It does not matter that uh, the police have been called to their homes three separate times in the last month. So please just leave that out of here. So we are back on the road uh, to yet another undisclosed location that I cannot seem to uh, discern from my immediate surroundings. Um, but today we have a very special guest here to discuss uh, A Quiet Place. Uh, now, this man, uh, intern Shane booked him. I, I've yet to even speak to the man outside of uh, greeting him before we went into the movie. Uh, he gave me... A small bow. Uh, he touched his index finger to his forehead and shushed me every time I tried to speak to him. So uh, he's he seems like he is finally ready to speak now. Uh, so I would just like to introduce our movie monster expert, uh, Beelzegul. I, oh, I mean, hello. Oh, okay. Uh, there's a interesting way for us to to start this off but i'm i'm about it you seem to be very passionate about uh you know monsters of film so uh welcome i'm happy to have you here on the podcast yes mm, the monsters monsters yes yeah yeah the, yes the movie monsters uh movies <laughs> okay yes I, i'm glad they seem to bring you such joy um, now, am I am I saying your name right, Be- Beelzegul? Uh, well, you you are not emphasizing how you should be. Okay, how how should I be saying it? Well, you should be saying it uh, in several different tones, but I don't think your vocal cords can can do that. Oh, uh, all right. Well, I hope you could give us a demonstration. Beelzegul. Oh, yeah, you are right. I cannot do that. It sounds like it would. Uh, tear my throat apart and i actually have a very delicate throat um you're a very delicate man yes yes yes, that is uh what my my parents like to tell me what my teachers like to tell me um so tender what our fans oh yeah i'm you know that's what that's what my uh all all the ladies i date used to say but you know we can talk about that later uh now fields of gold uh there is there's a real art to the the movie monster there's so many that get put on into the films that, you know, maybe just don't land the right way. Uh, what what do you think is the most important aspect of a movie monster? Well, it, it starts with the casting. You know, are you are you reaching from the third realm? Are you reaching from the interdimensional portal? Uh, I mean, it starts with the presentation. Okay, yeah, I was about to say, I don't know anyone who's played a movie monster. Um, I haven't heard of The Third Realm before. Is that a, a, a new agency or something? It's actually a place in, in, in human North Dakota. 
Oh, okay. Well, I guess that's where all the new talent's coming out. Uh, we're discovering new wells every day. Oh, so that's where the training camps are. The cornfields, you see. The the training camps. Uh, can can you go into? Is there something that uh, helps helps actors get better into character as their uh, as their monster counterparts? Well, yes. There there's several rituals that that you as one that goes into movie monster ship would undergo. Mm. Uh, the the devouring of human flesh. Uh, um, surely that can't be real. That no, <laughs> there's no way. Sacrificing of goats. Okay, that that all sounds kind of kind of troubling. Uh, is this more of a symbolic measure, or are we? Are we talking about something that uh, should be should be looked into? Well, there are many symbols in our world. Hmm. Okay. All right. Um, I'm I'm not sure how to take that. Uh, could you? What What's your What's your favorite symbol in a monster movie? Well, my favorite is the eye. You see, the eye can be used in many different ways. You can have the eye appear in a place in which it should not. For example, if you recognize this gesture. He's, he's holding his hands to his head as if uh, to see out the hands, which reminds one of Pan's Labyrinth with no face. What a wonderful monster. Uh, yeah, a very wonderful monster. Definitely uh, incredibly memorable. One of my favorites. Uh, what would you say is your favorite movie monster? Besides myself. You're, you're a movie monster? Oh, movie monster, right. Um, oh. oh, I guess you, you, did you have some sort of uh, acting experience or d- do you like to do things in the cornfields with, uh, you know, near Halloween on like fun hay rides and stuff? Uh, that's always fun for me. Yes, it's fun to hear the human scream. I, I, I like a good jump every now and again, I guess. And when you hear everyone else scream with you, it's very fun. Yes, when, when they scream with me. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I agree. Okay. I'm glad we're, we're on the same page then. Yeah. So, uh, what's, what's your favorite movie monster then, if you've got one? Well, I always enjoyed the work of Nosferatu, you know. Mm-hmm. They don't make them like they used to in, in the classics. Mm-hmm. Now you have these millennial monsters running around. Millennial monsters. Everything is, has to be so drawn out, you know. Mm-hmm. It just, you could just come back, lure someone to your lair, bite their neck, and you were done with it. You would go enjoy the rest of your day. Okay, uh, I guess you get a lot more into the backstories and the process of these monsters than uh, I would normally think about. You know, you don't you usually see a lot of for the blood festivals. The blood festivals, is that some sort of uh, film celebration? Christmas. Christmas. There's... Some sort of movie monster celebration around Christmas? Uh, there's a celebration around many human holidays. It's always a good time when, when we all can come together in large numbers. Mm-hmm. And we just love to, to feast and take in the sights. I'm, I'm glad you specify human. 
because I think this is a time in uh, our society where we are definitely not as united as we should be. So it's good to remember that we are all human. Um, and uh, I'm, it's, you sound like a, a real sociable person. You yes, you actually, I, I have some business cards here. If you want to... Mm. Give them out to your friends and your associates. Oh, they are very warm to the touch. Please take note of the symbol. Mm. Um, okay. All right. So we've got, uh, is this your business logo? The uh, We've got vines surrounding uh, a rectangle with a triangle inside of it and a... Uh, a small, I'm going to say, diamond in the middle? That is my blood insignia, yes. Okay. Uh, the pact has been sealed. The, the pact. I did not say that. I, I, I'm, okay. You know, you're a real intense guy. Uh, and it I'm, pays to be passionate for what you love. I, you know what? That, we can definitely agree on that. Because what we're passionate about here is film. Uh, and we're also passionate about drinks. So what we've got here today is our and we're our return to the cocktail. Uh, this, what we've got here is a green monster. It's equal parts uh, white rum and Midori melon uh, topped off with a little bit of 7-Up to, you know, make sure it's not too harsh on you. So why don't you go ahead and take a sip and let me know what you think of it. Mm. This is much sweeter than the last green monster that I devoured. Uh, did you, oh, you've had the drink before. I'm sorry. I'm embarrassed that... Uh, that hasn't happened yet before. It was more mixed than this. One would say that some solid was also present in the mm. in the concoction. Maybe a bit of maybe they. I guess they might have uh, muddled a lime in there or something. Yes, a lime, a human lime. Mm, okay, that, I've never heard them referred to that before. But maybe there's a brand or something. You really um, should try the internet. I, I, you know, I should try the internet. Uh, I only interact with the internet to upload this podcast. Usually I spend all of my time knitting uh, and studying the art of film, watching back all of the old movies. So, you know, we, we know a bit now of your uh, tastes in film, uh, but when did you first really start getting into, you know, monsters on the big screen? Hmm. In your time, I would have to say around 1804. Hmm. Was there, you know, some sort of older texts you were studying that from 1804 that uh, that that had some like real spooky monsters in it? I'd love to see them. Yes, I will gladly show you the tomes. Oh, um, you you seem to have one right here. I do. All right, let me get. Let me see. Oh wow, that one is also very warm to the touch. Have you have you been sitting on these? Please, may I see your hand? I yeah. Here's here it is. This is this is my hand. The pact has been sealed. What the hell, man? You really must get into the zone of being afraid 
if you're going to talk horror film you with sliced me. my hand open i i i'm i'm pretty easily spooked that was unnecessary i but you can see your blood is pumping your eyes are dilating you you feel alive right I, you know, the, this blood's coming out a lot faster than it usually does yes it flows well i don't I, let me let me just take the maybe wipe this up with the business card a little bit oh, you know, just, oh ow that's that's making it come out more where did, where did you meet Shane exactly? Where did he find you? Intern Shane. What a wonderful character. Yeah, he, he told me that you were uh, a bit of a dark fellow, but he never... I, I honestly assumed he was talking about race, and well, I didn't want to say anything, but, you know, he's a little bit of racist. The Shane fellow and I were first acquainted in a dungeon in the backwoods of what you call... West Virginia. Mm. This was a different. That sounds place. like Shane. Different place. Mm. A while ago, but my abode still resides there. How long ago? How long have we been BC? Uh, we're we're in BC like before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Oh. Okay, okay, okay. Well, we're we're in eighty. We're in. It, this is this is an eighty year. I mean, I, maybe you didn't get the same education as the rest of us, but ah, yes. Human time is always so funny. You know, when life is so fleeting, you feel the need to measure it. I I mean, yeah, but you did also just ask me for the time, so it feels like you needed a measure of it as well. This does not please me. Okay, I'm I'm sorry. I uh, I didn't mean to insinuate anything. I mean, hey, we're we're all human here, and yes, we are all human. Yeah, uh, I came here in an Uber, an, an Uber, yes, a a vehicle of transport for which I did not drive an Uber. Okay, well, you know, I mean, we we could have. I, I well, it's kind of weird that you came here in an Uber because again, I don't know where we are. Uh. I, you told me you knew a place, and I assumed that the place you knew was your own, and yet here we are. This room is incredibly dark. Uh, you've yet to sit down. You've been perching on top of a couple of cardboard boxes this whole time, talking down at me, and the entire room's only lit by candlelight, and so I just, I don't even remember walking in here. Well, the strong always look down on the weak. Okay, well, I, you, you do look like you work out. I can respect that. I would like it if you didn't call me out so much. Uh, I'm trying my best. Try a little less. The meat is better when it is not so lean. Hmm. I tell that to the, to the ladies. Do you have any wenches around? Uh... Not currently. My my girlfriend, uh, she really just doesn't like that I do this podcast. And every time I I come on to do it, she tells me I'm stupid and that it'll never go anywhere. And so she leaves, and then we don't talk for three or four days, and then uh, I'm back to doing another episode, and we repeat the cycle. It's been very hard on me, you know. But thanks for letting me talk about it. That sounds horrible. It, it is. You should let me talk to her. Okay. Um, Where does she reside? I mean, I could give you her phone number or something. That would suffice. 
Okay, well, we'll do that off mic. Uh, I feel a lot better about this right now, though. So, so thank you, uh, Beelzebul. But uh, I, I, do you have anything for this 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 hand cut? I just I I don't know what. It just won't stop bleeding. And yes, the meat is going cold. I I mean, it is a little chilly in here. A little chillier than when we started, but uh, you know, I mean. I don't. Is that gonna? Does that mean it's gonna stop bleeding soon or something? No, I have to wait. Mm. Okay. Who are you? Who are you talking to? Talking to? I'm talking to you. I, I, I clearly saw you looking inward and uh, speaking to someone. Saw me looking inward. You just said it was dark in here. Well, you know. I mean, I'm seeing you through some flashes of the candle. I, you're a little uncanny to to try and talk to, but I mean, I can make out flashes of you. I can't really see your eyes behind those, those sunglasses, though. Sunglasses. Oh, well. I, well, Beelzebul, you seem like a really interesting guy. I'm really glad we have you here, even if uh, things are going a bit strange. But um, yeah, I just I, I really do want to get back to your history of film, though. Like. Do you, do you have a favorite movie or anything? I feel like every time we talk about these, we kind of get off track. A favorite movie? Well, what genre? Um, you know, we're going to be talking a lot about monsters, so let's lighten it up a little bit. Let's talk about rom-coms. Rom-coms? Ah, The Exorcist. Hmm. What, what's exactly romantic about The Exorcist? Well, when courtship arises... You, as is customary, one expels their innards. I, that's Such a wonderful scene. Well done. I mean, I guess that is a way to, to talk about sex, but uh, I, I did not take that scene as a metaphor for sex. Maybe i got to rewatch it. You would do well to rewatch it. All right. Well, maybe we can do that after this. You seem like a cool guy. Maybe maybe we can hang out a little bit after this, and uh, we can we can really... You know, I don't have many friends outside of Intern Shane. Yeah, oh, it's kind of rude that your phone's going off during this. I, I asked you to turn it off, and I'm here complimenting you. Yes, mother! Oh, oh. <laughs> wow, your mother sounds like a rowdy sleeper or something. I am busy. Okay, well... I don't want to, well, you know what? How about you take that call? Uh, we'll, we're going to go to a break. Uh, you can handle the call, and when we get back, we can talk about A Quiet Place. How about that? Oh, that's perfect. I'll start the cauldron. I don't know what that means. I hope it means that he's got some good food cooking. Uh, but stick around, listeners. We'll be right back with our review of A Quiet Place. And we're back. I'm here with Beelzegul. Beelzegul. Uh, over the break, you applied a balm to my hand, to the cut. Uh, my hand seems to be turning some sort of, uh, shade of, uh, black. Is this normal? The budding process takes a little while. Mm. Color changes. Quite typical. Oh, well, I, that's encouraging to hear. Uh, that means that we can just go ahead and focus on getting to our review of A Quiet Place. Uh, so, A Quiet Place was directed by John Krasinski. Uh, the IMDb synopsis goes, 
A family is forced to live in silence while hiding from creatures that hunt by sound. We got cast of Emily Blunt as Evelyn, John Krasinski as Lee, Millicent Simmons as Reagan. Um, this movie was written by John Krasinski, Brian Woods, and Scott Beck. Wow, that is really hard to read by all this uh, candlelight, but I guess we got through it. Now, feels uh, what what are your initial thoughts on this movie? Well, I thought that it was quite focused on the humans. I think I think we could definitely agree on that. I'm not sure if you find that to be a good or a bad thing. Well, you know, it's just it's so hard to get monsters into the industry and then you know, you finally get casted and then you get you know, only a couple minutes of screen time. So you would really like to see character actors uh, get more, you know, of a focus in Hollywood rather than the, the big name stars, basically. Characters. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I agree because you got a lot of talented people. Um, I can't say that I think there were many uh, actors behind this monster. This one seemed to be... Uh, you know, mostly CG. There's probably some motion capture involved, but... Uh, Celtic ghouls. Uh, and, you know, that's it usually stands for uh, computer-generated, uh, if it's CGI, computer-generated imagery. Um, I don't know if there's some sort of uh, layman's term for Celtic ghouls, but... Uh, yeah. Yes, that's that's a, that's an industry term. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. I, you know, I though I... I'm a student of film. Uh, the industry itself leaves, uh, you know, I, I leave a lot to be desired in terms of knowledge there. Uh, so, Beelzebul, what what did you think worked about this movie? What worked? Sound. Sound. Sound was well utilized. I I agree. I think you know we go through so much of this movie without even a moment of dialogue um and you know uh, for for it being a modern horror film uh you know today's audience generally doesn't have the attention or uh you know the appreciation of a movie that is mostly silent um you know the last one that comes to mind is the artist uh which you know of course won an academy award but didn't really catch on with audiences uh, but this one, I really hope does because I, I feel like it re remained really engaging, despite the lack of uh, dialogue. Yes, engaging. It was quite engaging. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm not sure why you're saying it like that, but you know, I'm glad we agree because uh, you know it, that, that's probably what this movie does best is uh, keeping you engaged. Uh, in the actors, despite uh, limited dialogue, and to that end, how did you, you know, what what did you think of the acting? Well, while I like to see the fear on the countenance of Vic, I mean actors. Mm -hmm. There were some instances where. Are you gonna say victims? Do not correct me. Okay, I'm just, I'm just trying to follow. I'm just trying to understand you. Mm. Ah, the sand stings. You will understand soon. Okay. The fear was portrayed well. It felt genuine. 
it felt like my hunts. Um, your hunts to find new acting talent? I'm still not sure what you do in terms of uh, finding, you know, in terms of the industry or anything with movie monsters, but... I am a talent sap. Talent scout. Well, oh, the human language is so difficult. Yeah, I'm guessing that dictation's not one of your talents. <laughs> yes, an extra pendant for you. You see, I look for creatures with a lot of soul. Actors with a lot of pizzazz. I can dig it. And, and uh, all right, well, so... Yeah, so you you thought these actors did a really good job at selling their fear. Yes. Yeah, I, I definitely would agree. I think what's really strong is that a lot of the fear in this movie, you know, while, while the, I think all the child actors do a very good job of selling, you know, the primal survival fear. Uh, but, but what's really in, impressive about this movie is that none of the fear that the parents sell is really about themselves but it's always for their children yes they are ready to die but i don't know i wouldn't say any of them are ready to die but i mean i would say well well <laughs> the urge to protect the young is strong yes yes i agree um and you know that's that's what really kind of elevated this movie for me uh you know, I, I horror is at its best when it's you know when there's some strong central metaphor uh, to for what they're going for, and it really felt like uh, you know th this is a love letter to well maybe not a love letter but an homage to the respective parents who want to keep their children safe from the evils of the outside world. Nothing can keep them safe. Well, you know, yeah, in some cases that's true, you know. Sometimes we see that with the first child. Uh, oh, what a wonderful scene that was. Ah, uh, you know, it was, yeah, really, really gut-wrenching, really... Yes, just set brutal. My, oh, yes, brutal, very brutal and, and bad, so bad. Yeah, you, you seem to be sweating right now. I can't see much of you, but I do see... Just rivulets of sweat dripping down your head right now. Are you all right? The tension is palpable. Okay. Well, you're you're very passionate about this movie, and I'm glad I'm glad to see that. Uh, so you know, uh, what would you say was your single favorite scene in the film? Oh, my single favorite scene. If you had to choose, well. There were many splendid scenes throughout this film. Obviously, starting out very, very fast was the death of the young child. But I would not call that my favorite scene. No, I think I would save that for the mother. The mother who was home alone. Mm -hmm. Hands to the face, Kevin McAllister style. She walks down the stairs. Mm -hmm. She steps on an exposed nail, dropping Which a glass. Was very well set up earlier in the film, I might add. Yes, this was 
Good film making, I believe, is the technical term. Um, I wouldn't say it's a technical term, but I will definitely say it's an accurate one. The mother, her human egg sac was ready to be harvested. That's maybe the first time I've heard of a pregnant woman's stomach referred to like that, but uh, yeah, yes, she was pregnant, uh, and she had just had her water broke. Um, well, she, her water broke. She didn't have it broken. Uh, but yeah, no, it really increased the tension in the scene. It was uh, everything worst case scenario coming together at once, right? Yes. And you could just feel the excitement. I mean, the horror. And in this moment, she struggles. And she struggles to keep her screams inside. But... As she steps on that nail, a glass falls from her hands and shatters, mm -hmm. and the creatures, they hear. Now, alone, she holds it together on the precipice mm -hmm. of shouting at the top of her lungs. An incredible feat of strength, I mean, yeah, she's, she's bleeding significantly out of her feet uh she rushes to a bathtub after cleverly evading the monster um and she has to give birth without making a noise like talk about your mom of the year right well i do not have a good comparison for that yeah you you seem to be you know when we were on break you talked to your mother um and it really seemed like a bunch of back and forth shouting. I was really not trying to listen, I promise. But uh, yeah, at one point, it did sound like you two were actively snarling at each other. It's affection. Mm. But this scene is not the end or not the climax of what I think is the best part. Okay. The best scene in this movie. Then, then please get to it. Before the mother makes it to the bathtub, she changes the colors of the lights mm. from gold to red. Mm -hmm. It seemed like a warning system. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, I, 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 fair warning to the rest of her family that either someone was in trouble or the monsters were inside. Uh, I don't think we got a clear answer on it, but I don't think we needed one. And after that, the father with his young spawn returns from his own harrowing journey just over a hill, and he sees a sea of crimson. Mm -hmm. Truly a striking image. And you see the life drain from his face as you can see his mind jump to the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. I feed off that. I mean, that yeah. was brilliant. Yeah, no, you're just you're just very passionate about that that type of uh, layered filmmaking, of course. And I definitely agree. It's you know, it's always refreshing when a movie makes you feel something. I always say that that's what separates a a film from a movie. You know, a film makes you feel something. I will enjoy devouring you. 
I'm, I, I don't know if you caught on earlier, but I, I mean, I'm sorry to say you, you are a very attractive looking man, but I am taken. And so please don't make me feel uncomfortable like that again. She is more than welcome to join the ritual. Oh, okay. Well, we're getting into some freaky stuff here. Uh, and I'm just going to go ahead and transition now. We know you liked the acting. We know you liked the that the horror was generally well kept up. Um, I would add that I think that this world was incredibly well detailed. Uh, and, you know, we, we saw so many small things that really helped us buy into the world. Um, we saw that the uh, Lee, the husband, the father, uh, had newspapers from all over detailing how these aliens came to earth in the first place and wiped out everyone uh we saw all the precautions they took to keep the monsters from hearing them uh small things like just laying sand on uh paths on not wearing shoes on marking clear spaces on the wood where it was safe to step so it wouldn't creak too much uh, I thought these were incredibly well done. This film very felt very passionately made. Do you agree? I quite agree with that sentiment. It did not seem like they took much for granted. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you agree. Uh, what do you think didn't work about this movie? You were dealing with very low tier creatures mm. these glorified hunting dogs mm -hmm. react to sound mm -hmm. they seem to be blind completely they cannot see a thing mm -hmm. there has been human press spread about the world that they react to sound mm -hmm. Yet, throughout this process, it does not seem on any large scale that anybody picked up that they use sound as a means to attack the creatures. Right, because, uh, you know, the, uh, in the climax of the film, uh, it is shown, after being shown multiple times through the film, that uh, a certain high-pitched tone is able to incapacitate these monsters uh, almost to the point of death, seemingly. Um, now, I think it makes sense that, you know, in a, they seem to work incredibly fast. Uh, so, you know, a lot of governments and a lot of populations could probably be destabilized by such a quick and merciless attack. Uh, but it did seem like a, a somewhat convenient solution in the end. Now, I will say that it's somewhat rectified because, as we learn, you know, the father's been creating uh, a hearing aid for his deaf daughter, and uh, this hearing aid is what uh, manages to incapacitate them. So, the metaphor is carried out on that, you know, uh, it, that it's a parent's responsibility to protect their children from the evils of the outside world, or well, the evils of the world, I won't say outside. Um, and so in that case, it is satisfying. But from an in-universe logic, it does feel a little lacking. I understand that point. Mm -hmm. And I want to 
if I may, talk a little bit more about this relationship. Oh, please do. The family portrayed these wretched souls. There was conflict. There was conflict at one point between the doterre yes. and the patriarch. Yes, the, the father, Lee. I believe that this element added quite something to the film. Mm -hmm. Would you agree? I definitely agree. You know, because uh, the daughter's shown, you know, she's a teen. She's definitely in her rebellious phase. She's definitely questioning why her father acts the way he does and generally feels neglected. Though, you know, I, it, it definitely seems that all of his actions are to protect her. Um, and though, uh, you know, I, I think it's a testament to how this film is made in that uh, the daughter doesn't speak once, she's deaf. Uh, and yet, you know, she's probably, you know, her relationship with the father is probably the most substantive relationship in the film. Um, and when it does reach its climax in the end, when the father sacrifices himself to save his children from the monsters, I think it, uh, it really comes through on an emotional level. Yes, this is what I was getting at. When you can have somebody that you care for eviscerated in front of you. Yes, that is high quality. Well, uh, I'm glad we're on the same page with this one then. So if you would please, I would ask for your star rating. We've got a rating system here from half a star being the lowest to five stars being the highest. Two and a half is your average film. So Beelzebul, what would you give A Quiet Place? I would give A Quiet Place a solid four. Mm-hmm. I believe that there are some things that they could have developed better, but it was a unique, well-thought-out take on how monsters can destroy the world. You know, I may, maybe, maybe I wouldn't agree with that last aspect, but everything else you said I would definitely agree with. I'm going to be giving this movie four stars as well. An incredible debut for... John Krasinski as a director and a writer. He's got a definitely, definitely got a bright future there. It's always refreshing to get a horror movie that follows through on an original concept and minds it for all it's worth. There's many aspects of this universe are just addressed in this movie that I wouldn't expect to see addressed in most films, and they did a great job of it. I would, yeah, I my reduction definitely comes from you know, the the conclusion of the film being a little easy. Personally, I think the last shot is incredibly cheesy, which is somewhat happenstance for the, you know, genre. It happens. But I would have liked to see something a little more poignant. And, you know, outside of the father and the daughter, I don't think the other characters are developed as well. Even though Emily Blunt plays hers, amazingly there's not many characters in the film so that's not the 
most egregious uh, of sins, but, you know, I would have liked to see it still, so. But I do agree with you, four stars. Another solid entry into the uh, horror renaissance, I would say, we're living in the middle of. Would you, would you agree that we're in the middle of that? Oh, the renaissance is just beginning. Oh, well, you know, I guess you've got a, a good couple of movies on your radar. I'd be excited to talk to you about them later. But for now, we're going to have to take another break. But when we get back, we're going to play uh, a few games. So I hope you'll be game for that. Did you get it? I do not play. I only hunt. Well... Uh, I hope you hunt for some good answers uh, when we come back. So, all right, stick around, listeners. We'll be right back with uh, a few games. And we're back. Hope you had a lovely little break, even though it's probably just been one or two seconds for you listeners. I am back here with Beelzegul. Beelzegul, how you doing? You know, uh, too too often we uh, display our emotions through words and not through how we actually feel. So that was refreshing. Now, I just realized I haven't really gotten your last name. Is it insensitive for me to ask? Is this a, a Beyonce type situation? Or what's your last name? My last name would throw you into a void of despair. Hmm. Okay, well, you could have just said no, but... I'll take it. Now, Beelzebul, we like to play a few games every now and again, and this is a game I want to play. Uh, a slight twist on one we've already played before, uh, but this is a little something we like to call mix and match. And this is where I will enter in the theme song that we have for this. Uh, I sure hope I didn't lose it. Um, but yes, mix and match. Will we be um, mixing and matching organs, body parts? Again, I told you, I have a girlfriend. This is inappropriate. Um, but you do seem like a cool guy, and we can hang out. But no, we will not be mixing and matching organs. We will be taking your favorite movie monsters, and we will be sticking them in you know another genre we talked about today, rom-coms. Ah, yes. And we will see how they better the movie. So uh, you already said Nosferatu is one of your favorite horror movies, so we'll take them. You already mentioned No Face, so we'll take uh, him as well. Uh, and just name us one of your other favorite movie monsters. Let's take a more modern approach. Have you seen the film Sinister? I have indeed. I will like to use it. All right, we're going to be using, what's, what's the name of the one? Is it just Sinister? Is it, I can't remember. You can call him Sinister. Okay, I'll call him Sinister. All right, so it's no secret that the rom-com genre is somewhat lacking. So in order to spice things up a bit. Have you seen The Bride of Chucky? Um, I, you know, I saw it once on Hilarious HBO. rom-com. You know, I kind of lost it when uh, there were they, the, the sexual 
It was a bit much for me in that movie. It made me uncomfortable. I, I don't want you seek in a romantic comedy, if not to sexual tension. Uh, well, I seek a lot of things. Uh, maybe, maybe just not just wanting to fuck. That, that might be cut off. Um, but what we're going to do here is we're going to take three rom-coms and we're going to insert movies into them. Uh, and we're going to see how it makes them better. And you're going to choose the, the monster you think best suits the movie uh, and how it could change the film. So the first on our list is 13 going on 30. Which monster should be in this movie and how would it make it a better film? I am not familiar with this film. 13 going on 30 stars Jennifer Garner as a 13-year-old who wishes that she could be an adult, and then she wakes up in her 30-year-old body. It's uh, quite a hoot. I see. Well, I think our good friend Sinister would play a great role here. How, how would you see him acting in this film? You see... A 13-year-old going on 30 would be very, very enamored with technology. Of course. You, you've heard of the term selfie? I have indeed. You see, Sinister plays well with, with the films. He, he's a, uh, a film connoisseur, one might say. And so as she takes her selfies, he could pop right into the window. You know, mm -hmm. say hello, mm -hmm. rip out her spleen. Wonderful film. Yeah, okay, it sounds like that movie ends a little abruptly. What I would do, and what might be pretty fun, is putting uh, Mr. Sinister in a... Oh man, I hope Marvel doesn't sue us for that. Uh, Sinister in a, a love interest role. You know, we can take uh, the the kid that she had a crush on when she was thirteen, and through through her ill-informed wish, turns into sinister, and she has to appeal to his better nature, and bring him back to the good side of things, and help him remember how to enjoy life, uh, with ritualistic sacrifice, with you know, fun shopping montages mostly. We have differing views it'd be quite a fun film i, I would predict an extra five point boost alone in metacritic scores all right so our next film will be never been kissed starring drew barrymore are you familiar with this one i am not familiar with your human films okay well it's, i mean weird that you say that because most of our horror movies are you know, made by humans. But anyways, uh, Never Been Kissed stars Drew Barrymore as a journalist who goes undercover at a high school. She has never been kissed, and she ends up falling for her teacher. It's, you know, incredible story. Which monster and why? We make the teacher no face. No, okay. You see, she's a journalist. She has prying eyes. Mm -hmm. Those eyes, one and two, will be beautiful into the story. You see, she will see them and think, oh, I can bring him into any room, and he can just peek under 
and see what's going on. See, now you're getting into it. Okay, so I, I, I agree. That would be a great application uh, of his uh, abnormal physiology. One thing, uh, or what we could do is just turn uh, Drew Barrymore's character into No-Face. It would be very neat to see No-Face try to pretend to be a, uh, a uh, you know, a high school student. You'd probably have to put some googly eyes on no faces face area see how that works out and he would have no problem you think yeah uh but well here's the catch uh you couldn't show those palms to like anyone so yes for the soul stealing yeah so you would need to put gloves on no face would be going in blind the whole movie and all the while trying to be kissed because no face will have never been kissed like the title of the movie. If my recollection of human anatomy is correct, then this kiss involves the earlobes. When two people really love each other, sometimes it can, but usually it would be between their one person's lips and the other's earlobes, not just two, two people's earlobes. Um, I'll write that down. Have you never been kissed? I have devoured 40 million. Just, okay, you know what? You don't discriminate. You're open to free love. We support that. You know, I, I, I can't say that I support you, you know, spreading it around that much. Uh, I just hope you're being safe. It is always safe in my life. Okay, well, you know, uh, I'm sure they have a very good time there. Um, so, for this last movie, we're left with Nosferatu. Nosferatu gets put into Jerry Maguire. These words mean nothing to me. Okay, so Jerry Maguire is about a struggling sports agent who is trying to start his own firm while courting the one woman who came with him on his journey. Is where the, you know, famous line, you had me at hello, comes from. It's, it's quite the iconic movie. I know that line is, you had me at <laughs> Maybe your, is your TV reception okay, or? It's set to static. That is how we communicate. Hmm. Okay, well, maybe you want to invest in a smartphone. There, you know, there, you know, do we have to say smartphone anymore? Because I think they're just phones now. I believe the correct term is human smartphone. All right. Well, uh, you know, it just doesn't sound good. I'm just going to say phone. But you might want to invest in a phone. Anyways, how does Nos- how will putting Nosferatu into Jerry Maguire make it a better movie? Well, Nosferatu throws at excellent, elegant parties. And I am sure that in any capacity that you put Monsieur Nosferatu in, he will wow. Is Nosferatu French? Monsieur is a term stolen by humans. It does not dictate the origin from which you believe. Okay, well, we'll blame the French, am I right? <laughs> I will blame you. I'm, all right, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend, and I uh, hope we can... 
get past this. So Nosferatu will use his powers to charm and woo any. He has an irresistible glare. I can't call it anything else because he does stare intently and uh, shadow grab the hearts of women all around. But in what role do you see? Do you see him as the Jerry Moore? I think that he would be better suited as a background character. Mm. So would he even have speaking role at all? Would he just be there in the background in a couple scenes, a few Easter egg type shots? He would systematically take everyone. Mm. Okay. I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't imagine Jerry Maguire having that much violence in it, but you know, maybe, maybe that's what rom-coms need. Maybe what's the, that's what they're missing. They need to take a page out of the Exorcist's book. And what page is that? Murder. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, well, for me, I think that Nosferatu uh, would be better suited in a more comic role. Uh, so I think he should be replacing Jonathan Lipnicki as Ray. You know, the cute kid with the big glasses. Uh, he would make for quite a sight when he has those big glasses on himself. Um, I would give him the same role lines. I would give him keep him in the same role, really. It would just be real fun, very funny for everyone involved. I'm sure he would have a great time on set. That's right, too may not shoot in the daylight oh okay yeah of course well we we, we would well we i'm not a part of the crew but i'm sure they would accommodate him make sure that they do well you know hypothetically like this isn't happening what yeah no uh, we're playing a game i i told, I told you, you i do not play games okay, okay well, all of your statements have been sealed in blood well i mean just because i've been you know the, the bandages aren't really doing much to hold back the cut on my hand you know i don't i don't think we did like a blood blood you know i, I didn't sign anything you signed with your soul well, when did i do that you did it the moment you stepped into my home well, again, I don't remember coming here, and I just sort of appeared. I mean, the more I think about it, the more there's a big gap between my arriving here and anything else in my life. I don't know how long it's been. Your life is not your own. I mean, I guess we owe it to the people we form relationships with, am I right? Yes, relationships, bonds, familiars. Couldn't, couldn't say it better myself. Well, Bielzagul, thank you so much for being on the show. I think this is, me, one of our best episodes yet. I am honored to be a part of your human broadcast. Now, please, if you will, send my signal out to the masses. Oh, we definitely will do that. And we're continuing to reach a wider and wider audience, uh, which is why I would like to just say thank you to anyone and everyone listening to this now. You guys... Uh, your support means the world to all of us here at Drunk Idiot Reviews. Uh, every listen is, you know, just the highest compliment you could pay. Um, now, Beelzebul, is there anything you would like to say before we sign off? Yes. 
I would like you all to go into your living rooms, turn out the lights, face the closest mirror that you have, and repeat the following chant. Abure o Aburama, Abure o Aburama. Yeah, I can't help but like want to say that myself. Can I join you real quick? Abure o Aburama, Abure o Aburama. What is going on with my hand? Why? It's just... Just pulsing and pulsing right now. You shall meet Belphegor soon. Is he one of your friends or something? Is he, is he also in the biz? He is very much in the biz. He will be casting you in your next role. I'm going to be in a movie? Yes. Oh, well, you know what? Dreams do come true. Again, just uh, I'd like to thank everyone who listened this far in. Uh, your support means everything. Um, I'm gonna get my hand checked out, you know, and we're gonna we're gonna just figure out what's going on with that whole thing. Um, Beelzebul, I hope we see you again at some point on the program. You will see me for eternity and forever. That is incredibly encouraging to hear, and I look forward to it. You know, you are our first guest on here that I've been able to take seriously. You're a guy who knows your stuff. I appreciate your acknowledgement of my prowess. Of course. Well, everyone, just remember, if you're drinking or if you're watching a movie, I'm watching you. And assumably, Beelzebul is too. I am watching you at all times. All your right. souls will soon be mine. That You know he's going to win you over as he's won me over. So thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been Drunk Idiot Reviews. Take it easy, and we will see you again next week.